Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to another episode of Fill My Hole. My name, as always, Phil Balabanos. Uh, this is my second attempt at doing this podcast today because turns out, bear with me, turns out that the soundproofing, and I use the term loosely, that our landlords put in our lease to I, you know, isolate my studio from Pantelis' studio doesn't exist. But today I just found out, I don't know if you guys can hear that, the office next door, when people use it, which is what people do with an office, but haven't up until now because of the pandemic and they weren't working from the office, I can hear them clear as day. So landlords, thank you and fuck you at the same time. There will be consequences for this. Honestly, this is very distracting. I'm trying to talk right now, and I can hear this guy next to me. Can you can you shut the fuck up over there? Thank you. Um, so, guys, last episode, I kind of asked everyone what they expected of this podcast, right? I wanted to kind of know how should I move forward, should I move forward, and the... I mean, I got a lot of responses from a lot of different people, and the average answer was kind of the same. Like, the overarching theme of the answers were... We just want to see you do something from your point of view, you know, whatever that is. And and I appreciate that. I mean, that is, to me, that is a huge compliment. It's a very humbling thing to hear that you guys are just happy to hear. I mean, all six of you, thank you. Um, so what I decided to do this time is I'm going to try and do the solo thing again because I, I mean, I kind of liked it. It was fun. Uh, it wasn't a very long episode. This one will probably be a little bit longer because I have something I want to talk about. And it was just kind of like, I mean, I like talking to myself. I mean, working things out. So it's interesting. And uh, one thing that I do want to bring up is the fact that I love the intro music to the podcast, right? There's a part of me that would continue doing the podcast just because of how good the music is, which is a ridiculous thing. But, you know, that's me. Um, and if at some point in the future, I look back on this music and I say, oh, I'm changing it and I don't really have due cause... Call me out because I'm, I'm terrible about stuff like that. I'll fall in love with something, like uh, anything, music, a piece of content, uh, old work, and that gets to my next point. And then I'll just change my mind and decide I hate it. <laughs> so why am, I, why am I saying this? So this morning I got a, um, uh, what are they called, uh, a memory notification from Facebook from seven years ago. It was an image that I had posted um, of some comments on a YouTube video. So this was my one, two, I think officially it was my third or fourth short film. Unofficially, I mean, I had made others before. Uh, they just didn't go anywhere. This was my second attempt to like go to like a festival route, right? So um, I mean, anyone who knows the work I've done or has seen my films or wants to check it out, God. Uh, the film is called Dichotomous, right? So it went to the Cannes Short Film Corner. It did relatively well. So. <laughs> The thing is, because of the subject matter and the characters, a lot of people fucking were really pissed off with me. Like, they were furious. And the film has to do with the Golden Dawn, which was Greece's uh, ultra-nationalist party, right? Like, our own version of, like, a... I mean, they're not Nazis per se. Like, I mean, they're not Nazis exactly, but very similar kind of worldview, but Greek-centric. Here's my little coffee here. So... I make this movie, in my opinion, at the time, I'm doing the right thing. I, I mean, I still stand by the fact that it was the right thing to do. Like, uh, it's not like I've changed my mind. I'm like, they were, they were onto something. Those Nazis, they knew what they were doing. And that's not what I'm saying. What I'm saying is I felt 
like instead of attacking either side, left or right, I kind of wanted to humanize the um, the villain in this story because he really wasn't a villain, even though he was doing villainous things. I mean, to some extent, he's he's also a main character. He's also the protagonist, even though he is the antagonist. And the real protagonist, Nick, the character played by my buddy Peter, who co-directed with me, Nick is kind of his antagonist to his protagonist, right? I don't know if that makes any sense. So people were pissed and these comments were mean as fuck. Uh, we got called everything from like Zionist sleeper agents, which is fucking hilarious, or people were accusing us like, who's paying these guys to make this propaganda? A lot of it was in Greek, misspelled, which with terrible syntax, which just adds to how hilarious the whole process is, right? Anyway, so... So, so I look at all this and I, and I decide uh, for some reason that I want to share this on Instagram. I'm like, ah, good memories. You know, those were good times. And someone, uh, this guy I met when I was on vacation in Greece a few years ago, uh, he messages me and he's an aspiring filmmaker too. And we had hit it off. We were taught, we, we've kept in touch. Uh, Georgie, what's up? Um, so <laughs> he messaged me. He's like, what is it? I want to watch it. And I was like, ooh, really? I don't know. Okay. So I, I, I sent him a link so he could watch it. It's still available. It's on my website. It's on my on my YouTube page, it's completely public, right? But like, I don't send people to it anymore. It's been seven years. It was shot in a Rebel T3i, okay, for like $4,000. So because I'm an idiot and I'm a masochist, I decide I'm gonna watch it while I eat lunch. It's a 29 minute short film. Oh God, God help me. There are no words to explain the cringiness that I feel watching my old work, right? It's not that I don't like it. It's not that I don't, like I'm not proud of it, because I am, and I do like it. But I can see every one of my mistakes. I can see mistakes in the camera work. I can see mistakes in the edit, in the sound mix, in the way I directed actors, or what I asked them to bring to the table. Um, in some instances, not specifically dichotomous, I just mean in general, I can see casting errors that I made where I cast someone that they just, that was not for them. It wasn't the role for them. And then sometimes I see the right casting call that I've made and then I just failed them. Failed them because I gave them no real notes. I didn't know how to direct them yet. But, but there's still something about watching it. It's like, you know when you look at a photo album and you remember a time in your life, like watching a movie is like actually being able to port yourself back into your own subconscious from seven years ago. But it feels like, even though that's a cool thing, it also kind of feels like seeing old photos of you wearing like a wife beater and a seashell necklace. You know what I, like that's, it's cringy. But, and, and I will say this though, watching Dichotomous for all of its faults, its shortcomings, the mistakes I made, things that I learned and I've gotten better at as, as, I gotten old, as I've gotten older, as I've gotten more experience. Like I was learning, it was my second film, I was 20, I don't know. How old was I? I can't do math. I was like 24 years old. And it needed more money. I mean, there's that too. But for all its shortcomings, it's still pretty entertaining. And the last act is still some of the best filmmaking I've ever done. Like the, it has some issues. I mean, people have accused me, accused me. They've called me out and said, hey, what are you making a Greek movie with actors whose Greek doesn't sound native? Like they don't sound like Greeks from Greece. I mean, that was never the point of the film. The film was taking place in an expatriate Greek community. So it would make sense that their Greek would be accented to some extent, right? Like I don't speak Greek 
the way someone who was born and raised in Athens speaks Greek. My Greek isn't terrible, but it's not mother tongue, like, local, you know what I mean? Like, we have our own accent. I mean, mine doesn't fall into the same category as uh, a lot of other Greek Canadians. It's different because of the people I spent time with growing up. So they've influenced my accent because language is such a fluid thing. But at the same time, that's not a thing. Like, you can't call me out and be like, well, your characters sound exactly as they should. Yeah, that doesn't make sense. People saw it as a point of a low-budget film, like he didn't have the resources. That was a conscious decision. Like, we did that because, right? And I say we because we were a team. There was a lot of people who worked on this movie. But uh, I forgot the point I was going to make. I was making a point, and then I got caught up in that for some reason. Oh, yeah. So the third act, still some of my best work. Like, the whole, there's a kind of a fight scene in the third act. It plays out like a graphic novel to some extent. It's that kind of story because I love those kind of stories. It's like one man against the world, standing on his ideals, would self-sacrifice if he needed to. Like this whole, like someone who would die for something they believe in so strongly or to redeem themselves, to me that's like fucking movie gold. That's a great story to hear. I'm not saying I want to die for something I believe in. I'm way past that. I got kids. The only thing I'm dying for is to physically protect them. Like that's it. But, and if I can avoid dying, I mean, I'll avoid it. Uh, but those kind of stories for me, that's probably because I grew up on like Greek myth and like these epic war stories and that's the kind of stuff I grew up on. But that last act, man, for all its shortcomings, the end of Dichotomous, I'm saying it now, unimportant. I just texted Peter actually, my, the co-director of the film. I said, unimportant and unpopular opinion of the day. The ending of Dichotomous is my opus to date. Like. Not saying it's the best I'll ever do, but it's fucking... I watched it now. I had a hard time watching some of the movie. There was some pacing issues, whatever. But I got to the end and I was like, fuck that ending. That ending. What an ending. And the thing about Dichotomous is it started off as an idea about how we can... Like a unification idea. Like there are two sides of the coin. There's two sides to this story right now. How can we bring people to realize they're all fighting for the same thing just from different vantage points? And after we had that down packed, what I really decided was uh, have this amazing ending. We had the ending from the very first minute we started. From the second I put, you know, not pen to paper, but finger to keyboard, we had the ending. It was locked down. And then I, I mean, I'm not, I haven't done it yet, but I'm going to do it. And I do it periodically. I mean, I do it when I go through stressful times. Like I'll try to, like I'll just watch my old work. Not my commercial work. Even though some of my commercial work is some of my favorite stuff because I've done some really, really cool stuff over the years. Like, I've had the opportunity to work on cool projects. Like, I mean, if you're bored and you want to go through it, like Millbrook Lofts, which is probably, I think that may have been my first big commercial break, which Pantelis hooked up for me, by the way. Like, that was completely him. He was at an agency and uh, <laughs> he got a, they told him we're, they weren't a video agency. They were doing something, I think it was VR. And uh, out of the blue, they're like, we have to produce this like super high budget, high concept video. We got to hire someone. So they bring a bunch of guys in and he's like, and I've asked him later on and he told me the story afterwards. He's like, yeah, I just didn't like any of those guys. Like, they, were, they were fine. I just didn't like their faces. So he goes, oh yeah, I have a guy. He can do it all. He's done it a hundred times. I had never done anything on that scale at that point. I mean, I had done some smaller things. And then they're like, yeah, sure. So here's the commercial. It's a lifestyle video. And uh, we have this budget. I, I don't remember what the budget was at the time. But you have to go to the United States and shoot a bunch of B-roll 
And we're also going to put you in touch with these like really high level music producers who are going to help you do the sound. And I was like, oh, yeah, yeah, sure. I've, I've, done, I've done that before. I mean, I had kind of seen other people do it on the internet, but I had never gone into like a fucking booth to like direct a voice actor in my life. I didn't even know what the inside of, aside from the one at school, I didn't even know what uh, the inside of a booth looked like, like a sound studio where we could record voiceover. It was way beyond anything I had experienced at that point. That commercial though is fucking phenomenal. I'm tuning my own horn. It is, forget the context, forget the fact that everything that could have gone wrong absolutely did. We had no resources and we needed to shoot more footage in the amount of time we had than was probably even possible. Forget all that context. Even if everything was great, that thing is great. I'm so, to this day, I'm really proud of it. I still use it to sell work now and it's like six years old or something. Or maybe... Maybe, maybe maybe seven years old. Yeah, it was right around the same time as Dichotomous, actually. But uh, it just goes to show you, like, if you are willing to put the work in for something, it's going to be fine. Put the work in. If you put the work, I busted my ass. I don't think we even really made that much money on that project. When I say we, it's because the only person who helped me do it was my wife. She took a week off from work, and she went to the States with me so we can shoot in Massachusetts. Um, but, like, my old work, like, all of it, it has, like, a story to it, right? I don't mean the work itself. I mean, for me, looking back on it, it's, yeah, it's, it's nostalgic for sure. It's definitely self-reflective. I get to see things that I've done wrong. And it's actually a good exercise. I mean, if you create any kind of visual art, it's good to go back and feel shitty about the stuff you did. Because when you put that shit out, you loved it. It was the greatest thing that anyone had ever done. I mean, wait six months. It's not so good anymore most of the time. And I, I would argue, and I can't say this with any certainty, that even some of the... I don't know, greatest directors of all time who made the greatest films of all time, you know, I'm sure they look at those movies and sometimes they, they just don't, I can't watch this either. Ugh. Like I'm sure Ridley Scott looks at, you know, Blade Runner, the first one, and cringes sometimes, even though it's basically a perfect film. I mean, it's not perfect. No film is perfect. I mean, some people, some films might be. Can't think of any right now. If you know of any, I mean, put it in the comments. I'll talk about it next time if I've seen it or I'll watch it. So, yeah, well, my point being, it's good to go back and look at the shit you've done. One, to see how far you've come, because that's always a nice ego boost. But it, it feels good. Like, it, it's not a question of, you shouldn't be ashamed of it. Like, there are very few things I've ever shot, produced, and let out into the wild that I'm ashamed of. Even some of the stuff I did before I got into video production and film, like when I was doing theater, because I, I, was, I, was I was acting in plays. I mean, it was community theater, but still. Uh, and then I eventually, like that's how the transition happened for me. I mean, if you want, oh shit, I just smacked the mic. If you want the long, the full detailed story, highly produced of like how I got right here, easy. Go to my YouTube, you know, check out my videos if you want. That's the hard way. You can watch everything and figure it out yourself. Or there's actually one called My Filmmaking Story. I mean, I think it's the, like the titular video on my channel. It's right at the top. And I go through it in detail, like uh, in a very produced, you know, very vlog type kind of way, not this kind of format. Um, I've done a lot of different things. And how things transitioned into the career I have today, I mean, the job I have today, it was an accident. It was a <laughs> just a fucking accident. Um, because I took a video course, 
randomly while I was effectively failing Sejep College in Quebec. Um, and I realized that this was the greatest thing. It was just this like, it, it spoke to the, the minor God complex I have, right? Like the idea of creating a world where you m dictate what every character does. You control everything. That first movie, I mean, I don't even know what happened to it. The one I shot in that video class. Uh, it was called The Chronicles of the something, I forget. I, it, I had a YouTube account that got hacked and I lost that video forever. Peter was in that video. His butt was in that video too. It was great. It was fucking cringeworthy. I wish I could watch that now, but I can't. Then I worked on some other projects with Peter who was in film school. And then I had still been doing theater on the side. I had never stopped. I always loved it. Uh, I loved acting because it, it was, I'm not a good actor. I mean, I wouldn't say I'm a bad actor. I'm not a good actor, though. I'm not a subtle actor. On, on stage, I can get away with it. I can pull it off. Uh, but the subtlety that's required for film acting is, I mean, uh, maybe just not for me. If you want to see me really camp, really bad act, watch Dichotomous. I have a cameo. I'm Jonesy the concierge. I'm the real hero of that story. Um, but yeah, from that point on, I was like, oh, theater's cool. Uh, and then I did this video class. I was like, how do these two things meet? Oh, fuck, that's amazing. Film, that makes perfect sense. I'll never have a job. Shit. Um, I'm going to go to film school anyways because I'm not doing anything else. Right now I'm fucking working at Old Navy selling sweaters. Like that, like, yeah, let's think about that for a second. I was good at it, though. I mean, middle-aged women really liked, liked me. I was selling them a lot of frost-free fleece polar jackets in the winter. But I made no commissions. It's not like it was good. It wasn't good money. It was shit money. And uh, <laughs> fucking Old Navy. I can't believe I worked at Old Navy. And um, from that point on, I decided, like, I had this idea all of a sudden. I think at the time I had gone through, like, a, like a shitty breakup, and I was thinking about weird, I don't know, concepts. And I took that, like, angst that, because I was a teenager, basically. I was 20, but I was basically a teenager. And I took that, like, teenage angst, and I turned it into, like, a screenplay. A theater play. I mean, a stage play. That's what I, stage play. And I wrote The Sons of Deucalion. And Pantelis was in that, by the way. That was the first time we actually worked together. And I put on this huge play, huge production. I mean, looking back at it, it's hard to believe that I did it, how I did it. It sucks. It, I mean, it absolutely sucks. It was terrible, but people loved it. And it wasn't like, oh, Philly's trying so hard. They loved it. Like, people actually liked it. We raised a lot of money for, uh, like, a Greek language school. And to this day, I mean, I still have the, they gave me, like, a plaque for it to say thank you. And I watched the mini DV cassette the other day because I had someone film it. And I realized, looking at it now, that even when I was doing theater, I was making film. All I was doing was a very rudimentary form of film blocking, which is how directors block out scenes and have people move around. Even the transitions from scene to scene, they weren't theatrical in the sense like there was no big, like they didn't have that effect. It was really, I was transitioning the way you would with a wipe, like I would kill a light and transition. There was a vibe to it, right? And I think I'm gonna have to cut this podcast short this week. I can talk about this. I mean, I didn't really talk about anything. Uh, the problem is the soundproofing in here is fucking terrible. Right now, I can hear this guy, our neighbor who I don't know, having a regular conversation. I feel bad because I told him to shut the fuck up before. It's not his fault. He's in his office. Pantelis just arrived. I'm just beyond this wall right here. And I can hear him clear as day. He's about to start a podcast. He probably has a guest. I don't. So I'm going to wrap it up. 20 minutes. 12, 20. Maybe next week we'll do half an hour. Um, if you like this 
please subscribe. Subscribe to the RSS feed if you're getting the audio version only, but be aware of the fact that it's on YouTube and on IGTV and you can watch me aimlessly stare into nothingness. I'm actually just staring at myself on the computer screen, thinking, hmm, beard needs a trim and the head needs a shave. You can visit my website at balabanos.com. If you're looking for videos for yourself, if you have a film project, hit me up, let's talk. Uh, but don't hit me up with a concept. Hit me up with some pages. I want some pages. I want something to read if we're making a movie. You can't just tell me about this great idea you had. My name is Phil Balabanos, and I'll see you next week because now we're going to stick to a schedule. This has been Fill My Hole. Hit that klezmer ditty. You've been listening to Fill My Hole. This podcast is available on YouTube in its full video form. If you're lazy and you don't want to Google it and you don't want to search on YouTube, balabanos.com, hit the podcast section. You can subscribe directly to the RSS feed there. My name is Phil Balabanos, and I'll see you next time.